0: Today I will believe and confess confess. that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. him. And by Jesus' stripes, I I am healed. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for the listening ears for each person that is here. Father, we pray for traveling mercies for those that are on their way. Dear God, I ask that even now that uh, my words would be seasoned with love and praise and Lord, that the direction that we are going in, Lord, that our faith is strengthened in you and that we recognize that you are the true and living God. Father, we praise you right now. Lord, whatever is going on during this time, Father, we come recognizing that you are greater than those things as well. Father, we praise you, we bless you, and we magnify you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, well, we're going to get into our message here, and so I'm going to kind of go down this road so that we recognize one thing at the end. Basically, Uh, here on Earth, there's only one thing that is constant, and that is change. So that's the title of my message. The only thing that is constant is basically change. It's a saying that I say all the time, um, but it's true. Things are constantly changing. Now, we see that in the animal world, that God created created things in the beginning. He created cats and dogs and birds and things that fly. And those things create after themselves. God put those things in motion, He put those in order, because he has a way of doing things. They create after themselves. Cats begat cats. Dogs begat dogs. Birds begat birds. Birds don't begat cats. Dogs don't begat uh, cats. Cats don't begat birds. They create one after themselves. That's God's order. He, Man, same way. Men men and women create other men and women. Now, there are such things, and we'll talk about this a little bit, as adaptations. So a snow leopard and a jaguar are kind of pretty much the same thing. But snow leopards, you find them in mountains where it's cold. They've adapted. They have much more fur on them, so they stay warmer. Uh, they're able to, their hands and everything, their hands, they don't have hands, they have paws. Their paws, you know, they're able to run really fast on the side of a mountain, a cliff, because they're chasing these ibexes, which are like these ram type of things, ram goat things, that are really good on the side of mountains. So they have to be able to adapt to that uh, place over time. A jaguar is different. He doesn't have as much of a coat. He lives near water. Uh, they can kill these little uh, alligator type things. They call them caimans, where well, they're bigger than that. They're pretty big. They can jump down, man, and they bite them in the back of the head, and they can run off with their meal. Well, a snow leopard would perform differently if he lived in the same climate and in the same place where a jaguar is. And the difference with a jaguar being where the snow leopard is would be that he would freeze. Now, We don't see these things evolving, so they do adapt. It would be no different. So myself, I'm fairly dark-skinned. During this time of year, my skin isn't as dark, especially if I'm not outside, there's not as much sun. It's cooler even here in South Louisiana. It's cooler. So I don't get as dark as I do during the summertime, especially when I'm outside. It's an adaptation. We adapt to things. We don't evolve. We're not evolving to something else. Uh, Because I'm outside, I'm not going to grow an umbrella out of my head. That's not how God does it. He allows us to adapt to things. But the one thing that is constant, again, that snow leopard is going to create more snow leopards. That jaguar, they're going to create more jaguars. There's not a transition into evolution. Those things stay the same. God has a way of doing things. So we are able to adapt. Now, we see another thing that changes are words, okay? So over time, words take on different meanings. I remember when I went off to college, I remember people coming up to me saying, man, you woke? I'm like, what do you mean am I woke? Yeah, I'm woke. <laughs> are you woke, you know? So, I'm like, what? so I started asking, what do you mean am I woke? Yeah, I'm up. <laughs> what you talking about? Am I woke, meaning, do you know about your culture? That's that's what that was meant to, to uh, extrapolate from me, to find out whether or not, hey man, do you know about your history? And so I guess at that time, I guess I really wasn't as woke, I guess, as I am now. But I understand now that you know words change. The word woke has taken on, I guess, a couple different meanings now, because I understood woke before I went to college as are you awake? Are you woke? Get up. You know, my Mom come and slap you around or dad would slap me around in the morning. Get up, boy. Wake up. Okay, daddy, I'm woke. Go to college. I see this word now. Are you woke? But do, you, do you know your history? And so now the word has taken a different meaning. Woke. Meaning, I guess, some liberal way of, uh, I don't even really know what the word means uh, now, but, you know, <laughs> woke in the sense that uh, these people... Are trying to take this liberal stance, I guess, is what it has uh, been common. The word has been commandeered to mean. So we see one word in a short span of three, uh, 30 years, I guess, 30 or so years, taking on these different meanings, going from, are you awake? to, do you know your history? to now, you know, you're, you have this liberal bent to how you think. Now, I'm, we're gonna talk about some things here that don't change. If you are, uh, I, I know that everybody here has heard of or knows about the Ten Commandments. There's been a lot of debate about those things. I'm not going to go through and read through the scripture. It can be found, uh, they can put it up on the, on the screen in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 through 17. So we're not going to read the Ten Commandments, but I am uh, going to just kind of run through them real quick because we're talking about change. The Ten Commandments, the first of which, and I'll just run through each one real quick. You shall have no other gods before me. The second one, you shall not make idols. And this isn't the exact scripture, so I'm kind of paraphrasing them here. The third one, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Four, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Five, honor your father and your mother. Six, you shall not murder. I know it says thou shall not kill, but I think in the Hebrew, the the, the translation is thou shall not murder, and there's debate on that. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witnesses against your neighbor. You shouldn't be out there saying something against your neighbor that's not true. Ten, you shall not covet. You shouldn't be looking around uh, trying to get your, your if you have a, uh, a Volkswagen Beetle and you want a big giant whatever Mercedes, you shouldn't be coveting their, Vehicle. You should be okay with what you have. So the Ten Commandments. God gave us those because those things don't change. Now, we recognize that Jesus came and you know He He showed grace and all of these things, but the Ten Commandments do not change. God gave us those because those are His moral code. He gave that to His people, to the, the Hebrews. And it doesn't change. It's the same. It it you don't get to do something other than that and expect to get a reward from God, because it's the moral code that he gave, not just for his people, but for all of mankind. Why? Again, many people will sit back, and, and we talked a little bit about that last week when we talked about you know, atheists and uh, agnostics, but they'll say that you know, when asked and when you press them about this, morals... Where, does, where do morals come from, it ultimately always reverts back to God because something has to come from something. Something can't come from nothing. So where do these morals come from? And many times people will say, people that either don't know God or just don't know or just are guessing, they'll say, well, people are good. You know, people are good. And it just comes from within. And, you know, we have this good about us well, the truth of the matter is, if we don't have this moral code that we call the Ten Commandments, then we can sit back and say that anything that comes up out of us can be moral, can be good. So why then would someone like Stalin or Hitler, for them to go out and do the things that they did to kill millions of people? Or why is that not good if it comes from within? So God gave us this moral code, and it wasn't again just for his people, it was set aside for his people at that time so that they would know exactly how he wanted things to be done, but it's the code for all of mankind, and that doesn't change, we can stand on that. It does not change. So we will talk now We say the only thing that is constant is change. One of the things that I know that had to change or has changed I don't know. I, I don't think it's really for the best. But we'll talk here a little bit about parenting. We parent. How we parent children. Now, coming up, I came up in an era. I'm sure some of you all did as well. When you were out and about and you did something and you were with your parent or an older cousin or some elder or an adult and you did something that you weren't supposed to do, you got some corporal punishment coming your way. You got some chastisement. You got somebody putting a little pop-pop on you, you know, to keep you going in the right direction. Well, you can't do that anymore. Not, well, I guess you can, but you really shouldn't out in public. You know, you have to kind of save that for another place. But I remember back, there was a time that if you went out and did something, you know, you were dealing with your kid and you were jumping on them and you looking around for something to put something on them, people would, here you go, ma'am. they'd take their belt off and give you their belt and tell you, go ahead and get them. Just give me my belt back so I hold my pants up. You know, you had that kind of thing going on. But we, we you know, that's, that's a thing that's no more. I mean, we, we, we're, we're not there anymore. Nowadays, what happens is if you're out there cussing your kids out or saying something crazy to them, people kind of may, may you know, turn an eye to it. But the culture has changed. You know, people may just kind of look at you, but nobody's going to jump you but pull a belt out and spank your kid and see what happens. Oh, you're going to see the change from where we were to where we are now because somebody from, you know, the, the, that office is going to give you a call and start talking to you about some stuff. And I advise you not to do that out in public because whether a person sees you or some kind of way you end up on camera, you know, there's a bunch of cameras out there, You know, you might want to save that for another place. I'm not saying not taking care of your business because you should. You know, you may have to give them that look that mean, oh, you're going to get it. But you may have to save that, reserve that for another place. So parenting has changed. I, you know, I I can't or couldn't, I, I couldn't deal with my children the same way that I dealt, I was dealt with as a child. Change, change, change. So our goals now shouldn't be just to make our children good citizens. We want them to be good citizens. But this should be our goal as it comes to parenting our kids. Our goal should be to teach our children to be God-fearing and Holy Ghost-led children, because that's what they're going to need in order to progress forward through the world and the society that we have that's going on. They still need to be sought and keep their integrity in an ever-changing, degrading, fallen, Sinful society, again, all those methods that we talked about for parenting, many of those are frowned upon. So we have to have, what we have to do now is allow our children to have our ear and our heart. And they, and and we have to have their heart. We have to realize that they're gonna make mistakes, just like my children have made mistakes, just like we all have made mistakes. And they're going to have problems and circumstances and pressures that they need to come to us and speak to us about. Now, when I was a child, I didn't do much talking to my parents about stuff that I messed up. My whole deal was to do this if I did something wrong. I wanted to get right here. I wanted to hide. I wasn't going to talk to them about something I did or something I was feeling or things that were going on at the school. When I was in elementary school, they had the rice meal game. And to this day, when I say the rice meal gang, I still get little goosebumps, man, because I was afraid of them dudes, man. They were rough, you know. And you heard the rice meal gang. You wanted to go, Hi, I didn't go tell my parents about the rice meal gang. You know, my mom told me somebody hit me, hit them back. Was, you can't do that much now. It's not, it's not wise. You can't. It's not the wisest thing to do. It's best, you know, to act like a little soft and walk away. It doesn't mean you are, but that's probably what you need to do in this day and time. Things have changed. The only thing that's constant is change, so we have to change the way we do things. You can't, somebody hit you, you know, I'm not telling you don't protect yourself. I mean, you have to defend yourself, but in most situations it's almost best to just say, man, I'm not even about that life, and walk on, you know, go on and keep it moving. But we have to recognize that the way out, the, the way we came up not talking about, we have to allow our children and encourage our children to speak to us because we, we have to have their heart because there's so much on the outside that's drawing them that way. We, we have to make sure the reason that we want to have their heart and their ear is because we want the information that they receive from us to be Bible-based. And if you don't know the Bible, you need to be studying so you can understand what that information should be that you're giving to these children that are coming up in a world that is exponentially being more and more and more pressed with darkness. and But that even is not a reason for us to be fearful, for us not to have peace, for us not to have joy, and to be able to do the things that God has said that we can do. In fact, we should be excited about the fact that we now have an opportunity that we can talk to our children, that we can deal with them because, you know, again, as I mentioned earlier, society the, the societal things are different. Again, many of you have heard when you were a kid, Get out of here. Adults are talking. you you in grown folk business. Y'all remember that? So now, children kind of stand there, and you, most times they're kind of listening. I, you know, I would kind of do the same, okay, man, y'all need to go over there. This is not something you need to hear. But this is where we are. We should be able to talk to our children to impart to them a biblical basis for what they're going to face and how they need to deal with certain things that are on the outside. So we also, in raising our children, you know, we want to also be respected as good parents, as a mother and a father that are not just our ch- children's friend. You can be a friend. There's, a, there's a, a line that I like to talk about, you know, when, when our children are young, you know, your hands are on them. You know, when you have little babies, you can't just let them go do what they want and start thinking what they think. That's your job. That's, that's part of parenting, even when they're younger. You know, when they're, as they're growing older, five or six years old, seven or eight, you know, you are the one that are imparting thoughts into their mind. You are the one that is shaping them. Shouldn't be the other way around. You can ask them what their thoughts are, but ultimately, what's placed in them comes from you, and hopefully what you're placing in them is coming from the word of God. They're not your dog. Little son, he's not no man. He's not no little man. He's a boy, he's not, he ain't, he's not trying to do all of that. He wanna be outside probably playing in the dirt or playing with his little video game or whatever they do. He's not trying to think about stuff that a man think about, uh, how I'm gonna provide for the family and that's, that's not his job. Some, some are forced into those things, but that's not where a child is trying to go. A young lady is not trying to, You know, a, a young girl is not trying to think about the same thing that a woman are thinking about. She's not trying to think about her career and all of that stuff at that time. Now, God may have imparted something in her about her career at that age, but that's not what she's trying to think about. She want to play with some Barbie dolls and color and put puzzles together and things. You know, and want to do that. Not Out out, out here trying to do man and and, uh, women stuff. But we, again, as our children are growing older, as we deal with them as times change, we have to allow them some autonomy as well. You Can't just keep them cooped up. You know, as they get older, you got to allow them to go do some things. Some things you may not, you may say, uh, I don't know about that. You know, they have little parties, little decent parties, not crazy stuff, you know. I, I remember our children, when they were going stuff, I always called them, but they have this going on. So they would always ask their mama. They wouldn't come to me and be like, well, daddy, can we? Uh-uh. They always went to, mama, they got such and such going on. We want to go. Can we go? Got to talk to your dad and you can just see him like, oh, Lord, dad ain't trying to let him go to that. Now, I didn't mind him so much going, but I needed to know what was going on. Who's there? Ring, ring. Hey, this is Mr. Lord. Um, what's going on? And then I let him talk. What time? I let him talk. Who all's coming? And I let him talk. Any family coming? You know, I want to know everything. I'm sure they got off the phone like, man, this dude crazy. <laughs> want to know everything. Well, what's all, But I want to know what environment they're going in. Do you mind if I come by and meet you? Yeah, I, I want to know who you are. Because my child is coming. This is my, my seed, my investment. This is who God gave to me to protect. So I'm not just letting them go anywhere. Now, there will come a time, and again, the only thing that's constant is change. These babies that are in here, they're going to be sitting at these kids' age, and then later on, they'll be my kids' age, and then later on, they'll be adults. So we're raising our children to be adults. We don't have children that are little men and little women. They will be men and women. They will become that. But there will be time, and they need that direction to be the people that God wants them to be. So again, we are making certain that our children, that our job in parenting, is solid, that it's God-based, and that it's where it's supposed to be. Now, we're going to talk about something, and, and we're going to kind of get real here. And I tried to do this in a manner that was, that was correct. And some may say, oh, man, you, you're good. I, I guess I just show my old-fashionedness here. But I wanted to do this, especially for those that may be watching online. And I'll, I'll kind of give you a cue. And then we'll move from there. But this subject here, I'm, I'm a person that kind of likes taboos. The only bad thing about that now is that there are no more taboos. Everything, the walls have dropped down. There are no guardrails. And so pretty much all the things that I thought were taboo are just kind of out there in the culture and society right now. But we're going to go there on one of these, because I think it's very important. Uh, so um, we, we're just going to touch on this. And what I did was I, uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to go, we're going to open this thing up, and then we'll talk about it, and then I'm going to seal it back up, and then we're going to move on to the next thing. So I visited a site called Focus on the Family in Australia. So I'm going to preface what I'm going to deliver to you by reading their goal. I went to their site. And I pulled up their goal and just kind of looked at some things, and it seemed like something that was, was pretty good. And I think there's probably one here in America, but I, I just used this one. Uh, but I just wanted you guys to know where I was coming from. So if you're online right now, or if you have children, and it won't be anything crazy, but I just wanted to put that out there, I'll be touching on an issue that, to me and in my mind, and I'm sure when I said it, you guys will say the same thing, is just a filthy issue. Uh, so if you're online for the next few minutes, you might want to mute or move your children out or whatever it is you need to do, and I'll even give you a second to do so. So it ain't so bad. I think most everybody in here can handle it, but if you don't want them in here, you can, you can let them go out. Okay, good, good. I appreciate that. Thank you, Brother Rob. Uh, so we're going to talk about this. I'm going to give them a second to go where they need to go. Won't be long, but what I am going to do When I finish with this, I'm going to, for those that are online, I'm going to do this little gesture like this, like, hey, you can come on back in. You can unmute and come on back, and we're going to move on from there. So the thing that I'm going to talk about here real quick is uh, I'm going to read the goal from their site, and then we're going to move forward from there. And some of y'all probably going to say, man, that ain't nothing, but I think it is. So the goal that they had on their site, on the, the Focus on the Family Australia, says we want to be intentional parents. It's our privilege and responsibility to educate our children about sexuality. We want to begin early and continue throughout their time with us in the home. The ultimate goal for our children's sexuality is that they will be able to see the dynamic interplay between sexuality and spirituality. As Christians, we want to help them understand, for example, that sexual intercourse is an act of love shared between a husband and wife. The sacred act symbolizes the spiritual union that will occur between Christ and his bride, the church, upon his return to earth. Now, some may say on that part, I don't know, but I think that it's still going in the right direction. So it says, we hope our sons will see themselves as a type of Christ as they relate to their wives, and that our daughters will see themselves as a type of the church as they relate to their husbands. What we model today in our marriage will likely reproduce itself in our children's marriages. By helping our children to see the big picture about the sanctity of sex, we are better prepared to confront the problem of pornography when and if it occurs in our children's lives, okay? I read all of that to you all to tell you this, okay? So this was why I did all of that and went through it. And it says here that some researchers, and this was based on their site and what some researchers that they had used came back with. And some of you may be startled, some may not. When I looked at it, I was like, okay, this is crazy. But it's, I think we probably all will agree with what the researchers came up with. It says, some have stated that the average age of exposure to pornography is down to age eight. Before the days of the Internet, children were typically between the ages of 11 and 13 when they began viewing soft pornography found in magazines. That's what I wanted to tell y'all. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about it, and there's a reason why. I think uh, in in many of our churches, there are certain things that we gloss over that are just problematic, and God's design for a thing is always being twisted by the adversary. You know, God put sex here for us to reproduce, for pleasure, for all of those different things, but within the confines of marriage, right? When those things are are, are flipped on its head, it causes major problems. Yes, God allowed that to be here for a reason. However, it was flipped and done differently with this whole pornography thing that's going on in the world right now and has crept into the church. Um, Eight years old, as the the, uh, researchers came up with, personally, I think that's a bit old for where it really is. I don't have my phone on me right now, but you can access just about anything on your phone. And I'll tell you why I said what I said about eight being fairly old for that to be the first time that our children are exposed to pornography. I guess two days ago, my son sent me a link to his game, which I think they're playing right now. I'll watch it later. Um, So I'm pulling it up, going through, and bam, this picture comes. I'm like, oh my god. Now it didn't show everything, but it was it was pretty much it. And I'm like, I got to get out of here, because pornography is so addictive for adults even. That a child, eight years old, five? I mean, kids. I see kids on their phone all the time. I did not mean to go there. I was just trying to get to the site to where, uh, whatever it was that he. I, I think my, yeah, my nephew was playing. I'm sorry. Uh, My son sent me the the link to their game, but my nephew was playing, and we were trying to get to his site, and bam, it comes up. Eight years old? I I don't think so, unless you're keeping your children away from phones and all that stuff, but even that. I'll give you another example. I'm at work. I walk in. This, This was years ago. I walk in, and one of the supervisors at the place where I was at comes up, and we're talking. And he's laughing and whatever, and he just, bam, check that out. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa." like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, hold on, man, what are you doing? I really, and and I'm like, this is just crazy. So the things that were taboo, ain't no taboo no more. They're just talking about it on the street and doing it like it's just, hey, here you go. I'm like, and I had to stop him and tell him, because it was obvious to me that if you're that free doing such a thing, you got a problem, first of all. You got a point up whoever that guy, is. you got a problem, dude. I'm not trying to point at none of y'all, but you got a problem if we're you're in a professional setting, you're on the clock, and you're showing me this. All I had to do, and I, I told him, I said, man, all I had to do was go down there and tell them people, hey, man, you showing me this, and your job is gone. They have to fire you. But to him, he's so caught up that he's like, hey, everybody's doing it. No, everybody ain't doing it. Everybody ain't doing it, and everybody ain't trying to see it. And even if some people are doing it, they may be trying to get out, and here you are promoting something that's just not right on your job. So there's this craziness that's going on out here that we have to be mindful of. I, I waited as long as I could to get our children cell phones. I did. People thought they, they, thought they were weird. The people thought they were weird. I'm like, you don't need no, no phone. And when I got them a phone, it was a flip phone. And then they complained about that. Ah. Well, this ain't, re- you said you needed a phone to call me after practice. I told you everybody else got a phone. You can use your coach phone. You got a friend, give them a dollar. Here, here, here's $10. Give them whatever you need and you can call me. You said you needed a phone. Here's your flip phone. And so a few years went by and either they, whatever happened to it, and we finally got them a phone. The, 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 the point is that you're not gonna be able to keep them out of this. So you gotta have, I mentioned earlier, their ear and their heart in order to impart what it is that God wants them you to You're not gonna be able to keep this from your children. You're not, I, I, I'm not gonna assume everybody, I'm gonna talk about myself. I remember being, I was probably, so when, when, I, when I was a child in elementary school, I was probably eight, second grade, yeah, I was probably in second grade because I was walking with uh, my old, one of my older brothers. So at the end of school, we would walk on the train track to church. Now, I know this sounds weird, and it's like, what kind of parents you got? But again, the culture, the time was different. We walked, and it was probably five or six blocks, it seemed, further than that. But it would be a number of kids, and we would walk that way. And we would walk on the railroad track. So one day, we go, brother, I'm telling on you, but it's okay. it was many, many years ago. So we're walking to church, and we take a different route. we go, and we're out there with one of his friends or whatever, and his friend, now we're outside, and there's this big log, I remember, a big old log, they push the log over, and they got all these pornographic magazines, I never, I'm like, so I see, I'm like, oh my goodness, all of my, whatever, you know, none of us are innocent of sin, we're born with a sin nature. But that part was just going at that time. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? I did not, I don't want to see that. And I believe that children, especially those that are not brought up around that, they're not trying to see that. They're not trying to deal with that. Because that's not, again, I want to be out in the mud. I'm trying to play with a baby doll. I'm not trying to do that. But in this age, this is why we need God so much, because there's been so much change. The only thing that's constant is change. We have to deal with it. we got to have their ear and heart to be able to deal with it so that when they have those situations, because all children are different. They're not going to run up to you and say, hey, I saw this. you got to be talking to them. I remember when children were younger, always, hey, man, what's this? Did anybody do this? Did somebody try to touch you? Have you seen this? What is that? Now, I didn't go into all of this stuff probably as I should have, but constantly just checking. you got to be the bird dog. You know, you gotta be the one out there searching. You know, I don't know exactly how the bird dog works, but I know that when that bird is out there and you're hunting, you know, the, the bird dog points you in the right direction and you go get it. You gotta go get it. You gotta find out exactly what's going on. So I said I was gonna try not to stay on this too too long. But that was my experience coming up. And thank God to this day I don't remember what it was I saw. I remember what I saw, but I don't remember it graphically. But there, there are things that are burned in your mind that only God can help you with. And thank you, Jesus, that he's helped me even with that and the stuff I saw just the other day. It's like, this is just crazy. But we have to. It, it's, it's so imperative that we deal with these things because like any other addiction, you know, the, this stuff is addictive, both young and old. It's easily accessible. And these aren't conversations that we can avoid anymore with the young children that we have around us. We, we have to deal with these types of things, okay? I'm going to flag everybody back in. If you're online and you're listening, you can come on back in the, in the in, into the conversation. Uh, so we're done with that part, and we're, we're going to move forward. Based on what I just talked about, you know, in Matthew chapter 24 and 12, uh, I mean, I'm just going to kind of mention it so that we keep it going for sake of time. You know, it, it talks about um, because of iniquity. Thank you. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We, we can't allow those type of burdens on our children, the burdens even on ourselves. We have to give those things up to God so that we don't wax cold in the society that is going on now and that is continuing to come, because there's just so much. It, 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 you know, I, I turned my cable off about two weeks ago, and it's just interesting, the things that you're not bothered with when you don't have television, going on, or you don't have such and such in your ear all the time, this, this uh, opinion, that opinion, you know, you keep listening to that stuff, you can't help but wax cold, this is being bombed, this one shot that one, this one, no, we, we need to hear some stuff about the love of Jesus, we need to hear about good things, we need to, you know, and not just good things, but things that matter, you know, because there are a lot of people doing good things to promote themselves, that's fine. But we need to be about the business of dealing with people that, just like you guys are here right now, that know God and that, that love him because things are changing, constantly, constantly changing. Okay, so again, I, I brought everybody back in. Um, you know, the change, there's, there's change that, um, that comes in our heart as well. So when we are struggling with inadequacies and anything else that, that we struggle with, we have to move to a point where there's change. So we recognize that God himself is unchanging. If you or me or anybody desires to be free from any problem, you know, we all have wills and emotions and some some wills and emotions are stronger than others. Some people can kind of will themselves out of things. But even that, that's God allowing you to will yourself out of it. Without God, we, we can't overcome anything, any addiction. We can't overcome any problem without him, without his grace and mercy. And people are always saying, well, you know, if there's, if there's a God, why he don't fill in the blank? Well, he allowing you to live, he's allowing you to breathe, he's allowing these problems, but you just don't recognize it because your mind is in a state where, you know, you're deceived. The, the adversary has deceived you to think that there is no God. But it's only because of God that the things that are going on in our lives lives get taken care of if we so choose to do so. But God wants us to have a will to line up, that that lines up with his will. So there are things and desires that we all have, that that we all may want to accomplish. Some may say, at this point in my life, I just want to kick back. That might be your desire. Okay, you can kick back, but you need to have something that you're doing as well. Some of us may be ambitious about things that we want in our lives or for our family or whatever may be going on. But as long as that will lines up with God's will, so we can't take our will and supplant God's will. You know, God has a purpose for us, but we have to to in our thoughts, in our tendencies, in our speech, and our heart has to line up with God in order to receive anything from him, anything that is good. Those desires of our heart, you don't get those without those things. Our thoughts, our tendencies, our speech— our hearts lining up with him. The things that we're going to get eventually, it may seem good. You know, the Bible says sin has pleasure for a season, and I'm not so much talking about that. But those things may seem good for a minute, but they're, they're, they're deceptive. You're not, we're not going to reach and be where we want. We're not going to experience the change in our lives if we don't line our will up with his. I'm going to talk about some change here that God has saved me from, and I'm using myself, I'm being self-explanatory here, um, I remember, again, going back to my college days, uh, I talk, told y'all we talked about being woke and all of those things. Well, I guess hearing about some of that and being on a um, campus where there was a lot of people that looked like myself, you know, there was this whole history thing and you had the Bob Marley's and you had the Bob Marley's of the world and you had the uh, public enemies and they were talking about all of this black power stuff and... You know, we're going to overcome and fight the power and all of that stuff, right? So you can easily get yourself through the music and through being around people that are involved in that. You can easily get led astray. And again, dealing with our children, that's why we have to have their ear and heart right now. And the things that they see modeled by us, you know, it's okay to be proud of where you come from. I'm not saying that. But you can come to a point where you get into things where, Now, but we just need to kill them all. We need to, no, that's not God. That's not even God. Or that we need to manipulate people to get things done. God is sovereign. The things that you're supposed to have, just do it either. Now, if you can't handle all of these things, and I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about, leave it alone. Don't deal with it. I remember, um, so I remember being on campus, dealing with those things, and you can easily start straying towards those things and God kept me during that time. Even though I wasn't praying, Lord, keep me from He just kept me from it to the point where I was just getting so immersed and I'm angry now, and, you know, and do this and do that to others. I'm not going to say some things. Y'all probably know but I'm not going to go there. But, you know, you wanting to deal with people in a way that's just not what you've seen. God, that's not God. It's not, regardless of what anybody says. You can be proud of yourself and your culture and where you're from and all of that stuff. That's great. But God did not call us to hate other people or deal with other people in a way that you don't want to be doing. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That's that's God's way. So, but I remember, uh, I remember during that time, uh, well, no, this was later on, I'm sorry. Uh, The church that I attended before, I was working, and this was back in the late 90s, and I met this guy who was a, an anthropologist, and I don't know if I've said this before or not, but he asked me about coming, for some reason we were at a plantation out past Gramercy, I think it was Evergreen Plantation. I don't remember what was going on, I don't remember why I was there, and I felt very uncomfortable, and I was like, I ain't trying to be up in here like that, this is not where I want to be. However, the guy that was there, he was an anthropologist from UNO, asked me, he said, man, would you consider coming back, we're doing a dig behind, because this place has like 22 slave cabins that were later used for people that were uh, sharecropping. And when he asked me, I just kind of looked at him like, why are you asking me this? And he was a white guy, and I was like, "Uh," I said, well, may I give it some thought? So he gave him his number and everything. And so I remember when I was driving home, I said, you know, that might be interesting, because I kind of like dirt and doing things like that, being outdoors. So I, I went on and did it, and it was so fascinating to me. And so I did it, and during that time, I talked to some folk at the church that we were at, and we organized the trip to go back out there and learn more about it, because they had the names of the slaves and all sorts of things that, that, that were uh, going on out there. And I just thought I was very intrigued. That was my first time ever doing something like that. And so what was so interesting about that, to see how uh, people reacted when we went, was very, very interesting, just the change in their lives, the things that, where they were, some people lived on plantations and worked there, and when they went there, they were crying, and different things, and I just thought that was so powerful, and so as I went on from that, I started reading more, and more, and more, and more, and it was a good thing, but you can get yourself too involved in such a thing And when you go there, you need to recognize when it's time to make that change. Again, the only thing that is constant is change. Things are constantly going through, but it helped me in my mindset about just dealing with people and dealing with uh, different society. I won't go through all of the ins and outs that might sound a little odd, but it did. It helped me in um, just understanding things better. It helped me to understand more about our state's history, so on and so forth. But again, we, as people of God, we have to stay rooted to the truth. We can't, as I read the the Ten Commandments earlier, those things don't change. We we change, our parenting change, as I talked about earlier, but we have to stay rooted to the truth. So when I was going through doing this, I found a few things and I uh, looked this up in Mandeville, I think it is, there's a tree, a live oak tree, and it remains uh, there in, in uh, Mandeville, and it's one of the oldest oak trees in the world. Uh, I think it's like the fourth oldest tree or something like that. And the tree is called uh, the Seven Sisters Oak in Mandeville. Now, if you know anything about trees or oak trees, uh, especially those that have been around that long, they have to endure some stuff. They have to go through disease, uh, hurricanes, the winds and the rains. Uh, last year, we just had a drought. Uh, all of these things that they endure. So this tree is believed to be over 1,500 years old, an oak tree. And one thing about those trees, if you've ever seen a big live oak, live oak is the tree is the branches go way out and they touch the ground and then they come up again in in, in many cases. They're big trees. They can be as wide, you know, they can be very, very wide. They can be as almost, uh, I think, A third of a football field in in their uh, circumference. It can be huge. But the thing about those trees is this. You see the foliage on the outside, you see the leaves, the big branches, and you know the shade they provide, and all of those things. But the one thing that you don't see, you see maybe a little bit of it, but you don't see the roots. The roots of those trees are three times as big as the canopy is. It stretches out and it stretches down three times wider and just as deep. So when the Bible talks about us being rooted, I made the connection to this oak tree that's in Mandeville. Now, I don't know if you can go and see the tree now. I think it may be on private land. But that is how God wants us to be. He wants us to be stretched out, you don't, we don't have to really be seen. I mean, you, God always has some people that are out there doing some things. But we don't see these things, and they don't change much. Those, those roots, unless you go down there and cut them, they don't change. The leaves, they fall. So even though they're evergreen trees, they're going to fall, and you see them. Uh, if you look out there, we've probably got leaves that we've got to rake up. They're, they drop, and then they grow. But those roots, they're down there. All of that up here does not survive without those roots. The roots have to— pull water in and nutrients from the soil in order for the acorns to fall, in order for that tree to reproduce. So there's all of these things that are set in motion, but there's also a bigger thing that God wants us rooted because those things that are down below definitely affect the things that are above. The Bible talks about things that are not seen being as real as the things that are seen. Those roots are real. That doesn't survive, the, 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 that oak tree, the foliage, the canopy, it doesn't survive without the roots. So that's why God tells us to be rooted in his word. We have to be rooted in it, it has to be in our heart. Now, I'm not great at memorizing, I'm trying to do better, I'm trying to take a scripture each week and memorize that. So I'm, I'm trying to bring some change into my life for 2024. But, I'm, so I'm trying to memorize scripture a little bit better, I, I when I see it, I, I understand certain parts of it. Not all of it, not everything, but I'm trying to make that change and that shift to be more like that oak tree, to be more rooted where when certain things come out, you know, scripture comes up or it comes to my mind and it affects how I talk, how I talk to my children, how I talk to other people. I I mentioned a while back that, you know, on my report card, I had all A's, but the teacher, written in red, talks rowdy. I don't know what that was about. (laughs) You know, maybe it was just how I was or whatever. So I'm trying to work on those things, you know, trying to change those things. Talks. I was in third grade. Always talks rowdy. Now, again, I I told you about the the rice meal game. So, you know, I was always ready, man. I I, I felt like they were coming. So I guess the talking rowdy was to ward off the rice meal game. But we want to be, we want to use, we want to use the word of God, you know, as our sword. We want to hide that word. In our heart, right? So we, so we're talking about change, but the one, we want to talk now about the one thing that that never changes. So after, before I get to that, I want to if we put up First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57 through 58, First Corinthians chapters, did I say 17? 15? First, First Corinthians 15 57 through 58. So I'm going to read it real quick. it says. But thanks be to God, which giveth us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The Bible tells us to be steadfast and unmovable. That doesn't sound like change. That's what it is. Steadfast, unmovable. We need to be planted. We need to be like that oak tree. We need to be planted. But then it turns around. And if you go, let's go to Romans chapter 12, too. So I'm trying to make a little contrast here. It tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So we see in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, 58, be steadfast and unmovable. And then we come to Romans 12 and 2, and it tells us, be not conformed. Don't be like the world. Don't, don't, don't be like the world. But how? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we need to be changed, trans, moved. We need to be moved, transformed by the renewing of our mind. So we're changed by our mind. So In order to to get that and prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, our mind has to be changed. So it tells us in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, to be steadfast and unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So we have to be rooted. But then we also have to transform our mind and not conform to the world. So if you were in the world, in order to come out of it, your mind has to be changed. You have to transform your mind. And so I thought that was interesting, just the contrast between those two things that God has told us. So some people will say, well, how are you going to be both? You just have to be both. No different than sometimes you're doing two different things. You have to read the word, and and, and these things happen over time. You have to get into your word that roots you, and as you're getting into your word, your mind, your thinking is going to be transformed. It would be no different than right now. I'm sure that if I had it to give, which I don't, if I had $200,000 right up under here, and I said, listen, every time you come to church for the next month, I don't want you to walk over here. I want you to walk this way and sit on this side. Whether it's summertime and the air is blowing cold or not, I want you to walk over here. Do that for me for a month, it's yours. I bet you won't forget. Or if you start walking this way, you go, uh, get on over here. You're going to step over on that side. you free. All I got to do is when I come in here is get over here. Oh, your mind is going to be renewed. <laughs> it's going to be transformed because I need that $200,000. In the same way as we read the word, if we really, really understand what it says, if we get the discipline out of it and do those things, your mind will be transformed in the same. It, it can't help but be. Now if you're reading it to be cynical, that's between you and God, and that ain't a good thing, because there are many people that just read, they get up and be not conformed to the world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may not prove what is good and acceptable the perfect will of God. Father God, thank you for this day. Amen. I did my, my devotion to God. I'm out. That ain't going to get it. You got to put the work in. But if you do, if you put, put that time in and your heart, if your heart is truly just like I talked about children, we have to have their ear and their heart in the same way with God. If your heart and your ear is lent to God and you're understanding, and even if you don't understand it, if you want to understand it, reading this word will transform. Your, you, you can't help but if you're lent to it. Now, if you have a wall there, you need to be talking to God to ask him to break that down because, you know, the Bible says it's better for us to fall on the rock and be broken than for us to fall, for the rock to fall on us and be crushed. So if you have that problem, Lord, I can't keep, God hears our prayers. You just have to stay with it. Those are just tricks of the adversary that don't want us to change from the kingdom of darkness over to the kingdom of light. We want to be in the kingdom of light. We want that type of change. In our lives, I have a few scriptures here, and I want to kind of go through these fairly quickly give me one second. And I did it this way so that we could get through it uh, fairly quickly that just talks about so we've talked about change, 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 change. We talked a bit about the, the new, about the uh, Ten Commandments being something that's constant. But what I want to give you guys And y'all can put them up, you can write them down. If not, you can go back and look at them. But just some things that I felt were were really good that helps us to understand that our God is the same and that he doesn't change. So let's go to Malachi chapter three and six, or they'll put it up here. And like I said, you can get it. And I'm gonna go through these fairly rapidly. Uh, So these are things that confirm that God is who he says he is. It says in Malachi three, six, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob, are not consumed. God said He don't change. He, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ. God does not change. Numbers twenty three nineteen. So He we, we said He doesn't change. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not a man that He would He should lie, neither the son of man that He should repent. Hath He said and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken and shall He not make it good? He's not a man. He don't lie. People say, well, if God can do anything. God, say, God is not a man that he would lie. God can't lie to you. So we can take those things to the bank. Now, you can sit here and don't believe the text. That's on you. I'm going to believe this text as truth. Uh, the next scripture, Psalms 3311, says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, The thoughts of his heart to all generations. His counsel stands forever. What he tells us here, I'm not a man that I would lie, that that stands forever. (laughs) I am the the Lord, I change not, that stands forever. Next scripture, Isaiah 43.10. Isaiah 43.10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Here we see God saying, we're using the I am, I am he. Before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. One God. He created time. All of this that's going on and all of this stuff is going to pass away, and God will still stand. He says it right here, before me, there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I remember my mom always saying, boy, you got a hard head. You got a hard head. Some people have a hard head. They're just not going to believe it. Don't cast your pearls to swine. Keep it moving. If they don't, that's on them. We can't worry about those things because things are constantly changing. Our life circumstances are always changing. That's why we need these scriptures, and that's why we put them here. James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning. That shadow of turning means there's no change. He doesn't vary. He doesn't change. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. That's God. With whom is no variableness. He don't shift. He don't tell you, I'm going to do this and be like ah. If If God, God, God's not shifting, he doesn't. There's neither shadow of turning. He don't change. He stays the same. They call him the Ancient of Days, so he's, he's been here. He knows what's going to happen. We just have, have to hold firm to his unchanging hand. Hebrews 13, 8. And this is the last one, and then we're going to move forward from there. We'll uh, get ready for communion. Hebrews thirteen 8. Self-explanatory. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. He doesn't change. We, and we know that Jesus is God. Now, I can't sit here and explain to you the whole Trinity thing, but we know that God's thoughts are bigger than ours. He gives us more than enough in this word to get us through our whole life, and if Jesus says that he is God, I believe him, and he said it so many times, I think we talked a bit about that last week, That, or maybe the last time that we ministered, I don't remember specifically, but... If Jesus is saying, I am, the reason that they wanted to kill him was because he equated himself with God. He basically said, I'm God, more than one time. That's why they were always after him. They were ready to throw him off a cliff, and he walked through. Jesus Christ was God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. So the things that we read here, we can feel assured and know that the only thing that is constant is is God, Yes, things change. The only thing that is constant is God, though. Yes, for us as human beings, always gonna have change. You're young one day, you get here, and you're old, and then we move on to eternity. The question is, do we understand that the only thing that is constant is God? That's the only thing that is constant. Be blessed in knowing that through any difficulty, any problem that you may have, anything that seems insurmountable, all things are possible through God. Amen? Amen.